1: There's not many bands whose recorded output is as perfect as the first four albums from Pixies. That is taken from Surfer Rosa, of course, and that is gigantic. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, anyone who knows me knows what a massive fan of Pixies I am, and uh, they sold out their Galway show in two hours today, so that's <laughs> that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, well, it is if you've got tickets, I guess. And um, I know I should play something off the new album, which is very, very good, but I'm celebrating today because it's been a lifelong dream of mine to get the Pixies to Galway, and yes <laughs> it's all done I'm retired now uh, this is Strange Brew on 8radio.com I'm Googie and I'll be here till the end of the hour do stick around I'll be talking to Bill Bailey uh, about a song that he loves and uh, he's awesome so that's good uh, but I'm going to play this now let's see it's the brand new single from Elaine May uh, it was written for um, her wife Roisin after they got married and uh, sorry not Roisin Jesus Christ Roisin <laughs> I'm still really excited about the Pixies thing and uh, yeah yeah, it's some of the best work she's ever done, and there's more material to come from her next year. But in the meantime, do enjoy this. It's beautiful. This is called Heartbeat. I can i right. that is the title track from JAPE's new album Sentinel which is due for release on the 20th of November you can pre-order it now from the JAPE's Bandcamp page Um, yeah that's going to be fantastic It feels, like, it feels like way too long since we've had an album from Jape, So absolutely delighted about that. And uh, Dan Deacon has also announced a new album uh, which is called Mystic Familiar. It's coming out on Domino in the end of January. And also he's playing a gig in Dublin on the 30th of January as well. If you've never seen Dan Deacon live, then you should treat yourself to a ticket because it's a life-changing experience and it's uh, euphoric is the word I constantly use to describe it. Um, anyway, this is the first single taken from his new album in it and this is called Sat by a Tree. <laughs> single, Lucifer, here on Strange Brew and radiocom uh, It's been a lot of, uh, it's been a big year for anniversaries for albums, and one that almost passed me by was the 20th anniversary of the fantastic Hope and Adams by Wheat. Um, what a great record, I love it. I haven't heard it in so long, so I'm going to play something from it. This is from Hope and Adams, and it is called Don't I Hold You. The <laughs> deadly new song from Bitch Falcon called Damp Breath here on Strange Brew on 8Radio.com and before that was my double whammy of fantastic albums that are celebrating their 20th anniversary this year that was uh, Hope and Adams by Wheat and it was Don't I Hold You and after that was Slow Motion from the absolutely incredible um, The Soft Bulletin by The Flaming Lips one of my all time favourite records Uh, The Votafone Comedy Carnival is done and Dusted now it was a huge success and uh, I got to meet Bill Bailey which is awesome because he's he, he is also deadly and uh, we had a chat and uh, he told me all about a song that he loves. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, I have a small confession to make in that all my many years of trying to see you live, this is my first uh, ever time seeing a full live Bill Bailey show. Right. In the flesh, just wow. because of uh, work and various things I've never been able to see you and you are come oh. to come Well, there you go. And, and, uh, yeah,
2: it's very timely then.
1: And I brought my son yesterday and he was uh, he's, he's a huge fan. Oh, uh, but uh, after watching the show, I'd say if he met you, he'd have been very tempted to come up and act out his favourite scenes from Black Books. Yes, I know. <laughs>
2: well, I, mean, I preempt that you see by in the show. I'm just mentioning it. But people do. I mean, they do. You know, they. Um, it's either they act out a scene, or, as I say, they people just uh, mutter a line from the show, you know, in a in a kind of cryptic way, and and of course, you know, <clears throat> some of them I remember, but some of them I don't. And it's just very odd when somebody sidles up to you in a supermarket <laughs> and just says, "I ate all your bees," and, I, and I'm supposed to remember, "Oh yes, of course." You know, Cause sometimes you know, I don't. Because
1: <laughs> you've done a fair bit of things since then.
2: Yeah. Yes, indeed, that's right. Um, yeah, it's a it's a fair while ago now, and then. Uh, so uh, at the time, um, yeah, there was a there was a time when I was I was recording black books. And I was recording number uh, of the Buzzcocks. And I was also appearing in a, doing my show off-Broadway in New York. So it was a kind of, that was mental, really. <laughs> I was uh, commuting from New York to do the Buzzcocks recordings. So I'd do a, I'd do a Thursday, Friday night, Saturday night um, uh, show in New York. And then fly home on a Sunday, Monday just kind of sleep and Tuesday record Buzzcocks, and then Wednesday fly back to New York. So I did that for a number of months, and that was that was kind of crazy. I was in, the, then, uh, uh, I
1: was in the audience for Buzzcocks a few times, actually. Oh. Uh, Phil, no, Dupe a friend of ours, so... Oh, right. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, no, they were great re- fun. They were brilliant recordings. I, I loved them. And um, some of the best fun I had in television, really. You know, just scenes I remember now just, I think, did that happen? I was, you know... Pretending to be in a skiffle jug band with Martha Reeves, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, like uh, and was this, was it
1: the ordinary boys we had to find a replacement for the audience? That's right.
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> Running frantically.
2: Yeah, and it was a it was a, a very surreal episode when um, Preston walked out because you know Simon Amstel was hosting then and he sort of was goading Preston a bit. But then he goaded, yes. <laughs> but he sort of goaded everyone. But you, know? you, know, you should have expanded that. Really, that's yeah. what the show's about. You know, you know, it's not, it's not a chat show. It's not like Parkinson or something, you know, it's, it's Boscox. you go on there expecting to get a little bit of stick yeah. and, uh, and actually, do you know, what I think it was, I, I mean, honestly, I think it was the the guy's vanity I think it's it all gone to his head a little bit. He'd been on, you know, celebrity whatever, Big Brother whatever, or he'd gone out with, you know, the girl or something. Mean, written a book at the time. Written a movie. book and, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's the it's the corrupting kind of corrosive effect of celebrity that it had on him. You know, he'd been on the show before, and he was he was a great guest. He was just you know a bloke in a band, just you know chipping in, saying a few funny things. He was a perfectly good guest. But this time he had a bit of a more inflated sense of his own importance. And this needling was like, Well, don't you know who I am? So I'm, you know, this is out of order. (laughs) Out of order. So he stalked out. And I realised he'd walked out. He'd take the microphone off. And I realised, No, he actually has gone. He's properly gone. And so there was an empty seat. And of course, you know, when you film a TV panel show, there's a camera trained on every single seat. So every time the camera panned over there, there's a big empty seat. So I thought, we can't have this. Is this going to look weird in the edit? We just need to have someone in the seat, just to kind of make it look right. <laughs> and so I, I just I just suddenly thought, God, I wonder if we can get someone that looks a bit like him. And there was this kid in the audience, and I said, you. And he just went, all right, and he kind of sat down, and, you know, he was great. He played along, and it was a very sort of strange... And the show continued, and it was almost like an instant conferral of celebrity. It was like, you, you're going to be famous. <laughs> And it was like I think the Observer described it as some kind of weird postmodern theatre.
1: That's kind of how celebrity works now, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you probably you probably uh...
2: it is. It's it can almost it's almost as instant as that. It's almost as like you know suddenly someone that cam the ga- cameras gaze finds you and then you you know you're famous.
1: Uh, I know, because that was ages ago as well. So we kind of, mm. I, I like spent ages talking to you about otters, but I yes. know we've got a sound change.
2: <laughs> That's uh, true. Um, well, if you yeah, I mean, the last few years, uh, I've obviously been working a lot uh, on stand-up tours, several tours over the last uh, 20-odd years. Um, and in that time, there's a few things which really stand out for me. There's um, certainly, um, you know, the, the TV, uh, um, the Boscox and the... Uh, um, and uh, black books and then uh, <clears throat> I um, I worked uh, for a long time with Ann Dudley, you know, from Art of Noise and we collaborated on a show for the orchestra and that took up a huge amount of time, in fact probably about a year of my uh, prep life in prep and then we initially performed a one-off show for um, I think it was a children in need or a charity show at the South Bank and then that that turned into, it morphed into a, a much bigger excess or a, a, a fair much bigger um, project, which was this, uh, The Remarkable Guide to the Orchestra, which was like a, a show which I, uh, I sort of came up with, devised with Anne to really kind of demystify the orchestra as a, as a, you know, a musical structure, and just to sort of show how it works, the internal workings it, the dynamics, what makes what sound, how music can transmute into emotion. How does, how does, you know, people playing strings and blowing air through brass instruments, how does that turn into uh, taking you on a, you know, a flight of fancy stuff, you know? how does that work? And uh, so that became quite a, an all-consuming project It was probably the most, if not one of the most, well certainly probably even the most all-consuming thing I think I've ever done. I, you know, I didn't sleep for months, weeks. And months working on that, and that then turned into a, a, a DVD, and then after the year after that, we did a tour. And in fact, we know we I think we played. I think we came to Ireland as well. We played in in Dublin, Belfast, and kept all right over the country. It was an amazing experience, extraordinary experience. And um, and I think that's it's that's really it sort of taught me a lot about you know the the nature of uh, of performance collaboration music how music works what it uh, you know how that has an effect on uh, me as a performer it was very it was quite difficult to do because i was having to narrate a show play music and be funny at the same time you know which is like really difficult because it's three different parts of the brain almost you know? funny you have got to be loose and a little bit on the fly and be able to improvise playing music with an orchestra it has to be a, incredibly disciplined. You have to go with the dots, you have to go with the music because you're playing with an orchestra. Your orchestras don't improvise, you know, and also you had to, I had to narrate, so I had to step out again in, in an objective way.
1: And has that informed your performance now? Because it seems like your show, current show, Larks in Transit, sort of takes all those elements as well, because it seems very flowy. I mean, you, you, yeah. you transition from one, uh, from your notebook to hand pan to your electric guitar yeah. sort of seamlessly it seems very organic in the way is it is the show rigidly structured or do you do you play around with it as you feel like it? it
2: it it starts with uh you know component parts you know sometimes you might have an idea for something you think oh that you know that's let's try and play this song in this style i like playing kind of bluesy Stuff on the keyboard. Like, let's do a Tom Waits version of Old MacDonald. Okay, well, okay, well, let's get that organised. And so then that becomes a set piece, like a one element of the show. And then the the challenges is to making it fit around other things. And like you say, uh, um, after a while, the show becomes bedded in, and you realise you start to see connections in it. And those that knitting together that that comes later. It's sort of it's part of the. You know, finessing of a show. Uh, And that was very much an an aspect of this orchestra show, which was very, which was again component parts which had to have some sort of narrative through line. But I I realised actually the importance of it in that show. Okay,
1: Uh, amazing. Look, I'm not even going to start in the Indonesian phrase book because I'll be here all night. Yes. uh, I would just like, uh, we'll do that next time.
2: Okay. Uh, Can you Mm. tell
1: me about a song that you love?
2: Um, Yes, I can. A, A song that I love uh that a song that uh, meant something to me um, when I was a kid and continues to mean some different things to me um throughout my adult life is uh once in a lifetime by talking heads and when I was um uh, a teenager it was when it was released and at the time I was into punk and uh I was a you know west country punk and i was into you know the stranglers and Susie the banshees and um and then this this single it was a single I think, um, and it seemed so different. It sounded different. It sounded grown up. It was talking about you know things which sounded more intellectual. You know, I didn't really know, I didn't really know why I liked it when it, when you were a teenager, but you kind of I was drawn to it. I liked the sort of the the rhythm of it. I liked the keyboard rippling keyboard samples and the sort of semi-spoken delivery of it. I thought that was quite different, it was quite arresting. Anyway, and then sort of, you know, years go by and I listen to it again, and then you realise, oh yeah, this is, uh, you know, when I've got into music in, in a much more involved way, I realised, yeah, it's playing off the beat, that the bass line plays off the beat, doesn't play with the beat. So it's like, that's a testament to his uh, his fondness for African rhythms, where the bass tends to, again, t- tends to play off the sort of four to the floor style beat that we often have in western music so that gives it this slightly kind of stuttering kind of disjointed feel to it and then i'd like lo- the, the nice sort of video Of course, he realised it's actually a parody of those tv evangelists who are evangelizing about life and david Byrne is sort of fl- flinging himself about as this kind of this 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 shaman character and so then so that was the musical i was drawn to it and then of course like you know much later as a father grown up with a wife and a family and a house You start to examine the lyrics and you may find yourself in a beautiful house and uh, And think how did I get here? And I thought
1: yeah, this is yeah.
2: this is exactly what I think now The
1: song that grows with you. Yeah, yeah.
2: It, it, it's been a companion, you know, my whole life and uh, and in fact the the sort of almost like the last piece of the puzzle came just very recently actually um, the end of last year after many many years of trying to get it to, to happen I went to see uh, David Byrne in Melbourne when I was on tour there he just happened to be there on a night off I had and he performed you know the song and in this extraordinary show I don't know if you've ever seen this this his latest no, touring show It's I've heard it's, it's spectacular like it, it changes forever what you consider a live rock show to be because it's all the, for example, all the musicians are playing wirelessly, so there's no drum kit on the stage, there's no paraphernalia, there's no keyboard stands, there's no nothing. Everyone can carries their instruments around. And so it's a masterpiece of, of technical ingenuity. Plus, it's beautifully choreographed. It's like a piece of watching dance or theater and a rock show. I mean, it's <laughs> all of those things. And of course, I'm a huge David Burndown, huge Talking Heads fan. So I was just mind is completely blown by words. but then I get to meet him afterwards, and talk to him about this song, and he's just as as brilliantly kind of enigmatic as, as you'd imagine and charismatic. So, yeah, uh, I'd say that's probably my favourite song. Yeah, fantastic.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> heads with Once in a Lifetime and before that was Bill Bailey telling me uh, all about um, a song that he loves which was that song (laughs) Uh, he was doing he was performing his Larks in Transit uh, live show during um, the Vodafone Comedy Carnival and I saw it twice. <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant both times. Uh, Bill Bailey, absolutely incredible and uh, thank you very much for sharing that with me and by extension with all of you lovely people as well here in Nate Radio Land. Uh, Wolf Parade have released their first new music since 2017's Cry 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 and they've also announced s- uh, some b- 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 March dates uh, including a stop at the Button Factory on the 15th of March. Uh, it's great. So yeah, here it is is Montreal's Wolf Raid and their brand new single Against the Day. There you go, that was Against the Day, the brand new single from Wolf Raid, who, as I said, are playing in the Button Factory on the 15th of March. That's about all I have time for here on Strange Brew and 8Radio.com. Thank you very much for joining me. I'll be back on Friday between 9 and 10 and Saturday between 7 and 8, and you can find uh, the shows up on uh, the 8Radio.com website as well, as on uh, Strangebrew.e, kind of, and uh, SoundCloud, MixCloud, and the podcast store and stuff like that as well. Jogging have just released their brand new album. Uh, Oh, no, actually, maybe it's tomorrow, or maybe just today. Um... But you should go have a listen to it, it's great. And I'm gonna leave you with a single from that album. This is called Loggerheads.